If you're keeping track at home, you already know that these complaints to Moses have been going on for a while now in the desert. Ten chapters, to be exact, and that's only in the book of Numbers. If you recall, there's also a fair bit of complaining in the book of Exodus as well. In the text we read from this morning, poisonous snakes appear among these complaining Israelites and begin to bite people, causing them to die. Now, the text does say that God sent the poisonous snakes. However, there is no claim that it was directly in response to the Israelites complaining and griping. This was an inference made first by the Israelites themselves. The snake bites are a punishment for their constant speaking out against the Lord, or at least that's how they see it. In any case, for the Israelites, the snake represents their own failures and misgivings. So I can imagine that when God instructed Moses to build a serpent and put it high up on a pole for all to see, that people were probably resistant. This bronze statue to them is just a reminder of all the ways they have fallen short, of the, way they, of the ways they made things more difficult than they really needed to be. I don't know about you, but if someone built a statue of my impatience, my mistakes, and my complaints, it would be huge, and also, I would be, certainly be more than just a little irritated by it. I don't actually know if I could bear looking at it for the shame and guilt that it would conjure up in me. But this is exactly what the Israelites must do to be cured from the venom of these snake bites. They are forced to look up from their daily lives, up from having their eyes and ears fixed on themselves, and gaze upward at that bronze reminder of the way they lashed out against a God who delivered them out of Egypt. Paradoxically, though, it's in this looking that they are healed. It's part of the sometimes painful process of accepting God's healing mercy. They must first look at what it is in themselves or in their actions that has left them in need of God's mercy and compassion. Debbie Thomas, in this week's essay on her website, Journey with Jesus, puts it like this. Hence the bronze snake, which forces them to stare the poison down until they see in it the grief, the anger, the judgment, and the unending mercy of a God whose love is vast but tough, deep but demanding. It's a love that will heal and also expose truth, truth that hurts. It's a love that will deliver, but at the same time, invite a change in perspective, a shift in apprehension, a bitter, but ultimately salvific looking up. And don't we also experience something similar when we turn our eyes and attention to the cross? The cross of Christ that simultaneously represents the very depths of human sinfulness and the overwhelming abundance of God's mercy. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It hurts to look at the cross and really see it for what it is. It's a symbol of oppression, torture, pain. It's the result of what happens when our love of power exceeds our love of neighbor. And yet, it's through this same cross that we see just how far down deep into the depths of our own sin and shame 
God's mercy reaches out and finds us. The cross, like that bronze serpent, is hard to look at. But it's in the looking that we are healed. Our healing comes through the cross, not around it, not over it, not under it, but through it. So that's where we have to fix our eyes. Not in adoration, but in acceptance. In acceptance of our need for a God who saves us from ourselves. A God who transforms our tools of death into means of resurrection. This is a lot harder than it might seem. See, for the Israelites, the choice was easy. Look up at the serpent or die. Like, actually physically die. They had no choice but to look at that serpent squarely in the eye and see in it a death of their own making and be spared. The cross is trickier. We can go long stretches of time without really taking it all in. We're not in physical danger usually if the memory of looking up at the cross and truly understanding the depths of God's love for us starts to fade into the distance. But I can tell you that when we avert our eyes from the cross for too long, we start to forget how loved we actually are. We start to forget that we're forgiven. We start to forget that ours is a God who brings life, even out of our own insistence on death. When we start to forget those things, we start to die, little by little, day by day, until one day there's nothing left. We run on fumes with nothing left to sustain ourselves. We have nothing to give our family, our friends. We have nothing left to give our neighbors or our kids. When we lose touch with our own belovedness, we can't really extend love to anyone else. It's like what they always say on the airplane when the oxygen mask drops down. You might be able to get away with not putting on your own mask and focusing on other people for a short time but eventually you have to breathe too. If you don't, you become incapable of helping yourself or anyone else. I wonder if you might be running out of breath trying to keep everyone else's mask on. I wonder what you might do this week to put yourself in front of the cross so that you can start to breathe again. I wonder what you might change about your current routine to leave space to take a long, hard look at those parts of yourself you'd rather not see. I wonder how you might be able to square up and face the serpent in search of healing. I wonder how you might remind yourself that God's love touches even those deep parts of you that you don't like showing to anyone. For each of us, there are different answers. The gift of the season of Lent, I think, is that it offers us, both collectively and individually, an opportunity to be intentional about seeking those answers. For my part, I'm going to start by taking stock of the things I do that distract me from Christ and start to remove them one by one so that at some point I have no choice left but to look at the cross. 
And then I'm going to do my best to believe that the same love that was big enough to show up at the cross is also small enough to show up for me as well. Some days, I know it's there. Other days, I have to trust that it is, even when I can't see it, and even when I don't feel like I deserve it. But every day, I'm part of something bigger than my ability to see it or not see it. Some days, I'm the one putting that oxygen mask on someone else, and other days, someone else is putting that mask on me. Either way, when we stay committed to a community that keeps the cross of Christ at the center, we stand the best chance of facing the cross, of laying down all the ways we hurt and destroy one another, and walking away with only mercy and love. <laughs>